0: You know, usually I think about apologetics. I think about what's happening in our culture. I think of Bible prophecy. And that's how a lot of my messages are geared, and that's how my mind is wired. But today, I'm going to be a little selfish. And I've got a message that I'm kind of preaching for myself, but it's for you, because I know everyone here goes through hard times. If you haven't, you will. (laughs) Uh, But don't kid yourself. so yeah, we're going to start off in 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to end in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, but before I do that, I just want to give a, a quick update here. Um, I uh, resigned from um, my job, and unexpectedly I wasn't planning on doing this, but there were just some some things that just couldn't be resolved. And I said, all right, this is a little bit too more stressful than I need right now, so... I made that decision, and it's been hard. It's been a hard uh, six weeks. But along with that, I was thinking, boy, I'm, I'm writing. My, I'm writing another book. I'll have more time to write. No, <laughs> um, I've been preaching at another church in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. They don't have a pastor, and I've been helping them out. And uh, I'll be doing a conference in Calvary Chapel, Appleton, prophecy conference in a few weeks. Um, and then a men's conference in October, and between that, all of that going on, so that keeps my focus, which I'm very thankful, because I've got to get in the Word. I've got to say, God, use me. What do you want me to do? Um, My wife has had a brain injury for two years. Uh, She got the vaccine, for those that don't know. Whatever happened with that vaccine, Pfizer, triggered something in her system, in her blood, in her brain she has what one doctor uh, or hospital system uh, calls cognitive, uh, cognitive, uh, what is it? Dysfunction, oh what what is it? I'm, I'm, disorders, something, I can't even, co- cognitive neurological disorder, that's what it is. And so I'm thinking, whatever they call it doesn't, I don't care, we just want to try to treat it. So uh, we've been trying different things, different therapies, we're detoxing her blood, we're doing all these different natural things and supplements and uh, different types of, of therapies. And we're taking a break right now because it's been a long haul and we don't see any noticeable improvement. Just to give you a, a brief example, um, she c- doesn't cook anymore. She can't really follow a to-do list or a step-by-step instructional sheet or anything like that. Um, she drove uh, down the street but less than a mile probably to Walmart she doesn't drive on the highway freeway anymore, but she drove down to Walmart when I was up north. And that's another thing. I just got my mom into assisted living up in northern Michigan. And I've been making a lot of trips up there to help my mom transition there. So she's in a safe place now. While I was up there on Monday, I get a call at noon from the De Pere, Wisconsin Police Department. And he said, uh, hi, is this David? I said, yeah. This is Officer Zitlow from the De Pere Police Department um, with your wife here. Are you aware of her condition? I thought, well, yes, but what happened? So she got herself down to Walmart and just something, sometimes she gets distracted and she couldn't remember how to turn the engine off and get the keys out. So the car was running, running. She waved somebody down and then she realized the car is still running. She started kind of panicking a little bit. And once she gets anxious like that, her brain like tight, tenses up and freezes up and it gets blocked and she's until I can, you know, calm her down and encourage her, and it's no big deal, just help her through whatever the next step is, I wasn't there. So the police came, someone called them to help, and they said, where do you live? She couldn't remember her, our address, our home address. So this is the, you know, I mean, if you saw her today sitting here, you would never know anything was wrong. And she gets stimulated at church, around people, around fellowship. She gets really the joy of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, and and fellowship is wonderful so um at home it's a different story just going through basic things i help her sometimes she gets confused with her contact lenses and her glasses she'll come to me with one contact lens on her finger and her glasses a case and she said i i started taking this out and i don't know what to do with this i said well first of all put away that put your glasses away you don't need those where's the case for your contact so it's by the bathroom sink, so I got to take her back in there, and she goes, "Oh, okay." But if if she gets sidetracked from something, something's got to bring her back to the step progression she was in. So there, there that's been our last two years. Uh, we get meals twice a week from wonderful people. Um, every Monday and Thursday, we get a meal because I do the the cooking, and I use that word lightly. Um, <laughs> Uh, I order groceries now, which is great. I learned that I can do that, but our lives have changed. So we've gone through tough times. It's not surprising to the Lord. He's sovereign over all this, and I know a lot of you have gone through hard times, and um, sometimes painful things, physical health, different issues. So that led me to this message uh, that I'm going to share with you today, and God just used this to speak to people's hearts and uh Touch them and give them what they need. Not my words, but your words, Lord. I know I have the notes and I have the preparation, but you just lead in Holy Spirit. Have your way in Jesus' name. So First Samuel chapter 30, before I go there, I, I'm just coming across a couple of verses in the Gospel of John. Interesting when Jesus says certain things before he says what he wants to say. Such as, these things I have spoken to you so that. These things I have spoken to you. For example, John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. So there are obviously times, uh, sometimes more often than not, when we long for our eternal home. We know we're, this is just all temporary, and uh, there are times where we go, Lord, come quickly. I can't wait. Um, there are other times we're really focused and kind of using our gifts and talents and say, all right, God, let me I, I would love to do this a lot longer, um, but he's in control of all that. So the lesson we learn is trusting God, our unshakable rock, in a, a, a planet and a country and a culture that's crazy and unstable and shakable and it just it's amazing what is reigning taking place in our country today the delusion uh, the confusion the it's the, the really the spiritual warfare if you're a believer we can see it the average person has no idea they're just seeing these things and people calling evil good and good evil and they don't know how to make sense of it but fortunately we do we have the word of god so I've struggled with finding a balance in those times of uh, just feeling like weary and tired and stressed with trials and maybe overwhelmed. But I've also come to believe, because years, 20 years ago, if you're going, I was going through a hard time. Someone says, "How are you doing?" Hey, great, great, praise God, great. And I, if that's not transparent, so um, and we all go through hard times, and sometimes it encourages others because God comforts us, and then when. They're going through something. He uses us to comfort them the way he comforted us. But so it's interesting that God brought me to this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 again after many years. Um, So God had a purpose. He has a purpose for every one of our lives. He obviously had a major purpose for David's life with the Messiah being in the line of David. Um, But he has a plan for ours as well. We just need to keep Stepping, And that's often by faith. Because sometimes we don't know the next step. So, 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. Uh, Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, which is interesting and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. How many of you have ever been there? Now, David's two wives had been taken captive and Ahinoam, the Jezreelotus, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them and you will surely rescue all. So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor where those left behind remained. And we'll pause right there because We need to go into some background here. David and his men covered about 25 miles a day in their march south to the town of Ziklag where they would have arrived tired, hungry, maybe expecting the comforts of home and maybe a welcome of some kind. And they see from the distance smoke rising from their town. So not only was the city burned, everybody was gone. Ghost town. So what is interesting is that if you go back, David and his warriors had previously brought calamity on other cities. And the Amalekites, interestingly enough, were more merciful than David because they took, the Amalekites took their wives and the children, they took them alive. Very interesting point um, under God's sovereignty. So they came home to find their city burned with fire from a distance. they, They knew something was wrong. And note the reaction of these mighty, strong men, mighty men of God. Um, they wept. They just lost it. Um, everything was lost. And they were exhausted from the journey, from traveling. And they lifted their voices and wept until there was no more strength in them. Um Now, interesting what happened earlier. If you go back briefly to one verse, 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, it says this. And my point I'm going to get to is how we sometimes speak to ourselves, speak to our hearts, convince ourselves of something. Um, So David did this and could have got himself into this mess. In his heart, he said, verse 1 in 1 Samuel 27, he said, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. So this is what David was reasoning in his mind and speaking to his own heart. Do you see the difference on when he comes home this time? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Another translation says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Uh, His family was gone. All he owned was gone. Burnt. His friends turned against him. The people spoke of stoning him. His typical support system was suddenly gone. But God. Except God. He would later write, and I want to share a few brief, you know, Psalms today that are very applicable here, because he would write Psalms of praise that came, I believe, from him enduring raw, sobering trials. And Psalm 34, right? Go check that out sometime and meditate on that wonderful psalm. God heals the brokenhearted. But Psalm 34, read that another another time. But Psalm 62, verses 5 through 9 says this, My soul, wait in silence for God alone. Interesting, this is not a prayer to God. This is not telling other people what to do. He's not writing that to other people right now. He's saying, my soul, wait in silence for God alone. And then he says, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my refuge. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my glory rest on God, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 62, 5-9. So now back to Ziklag, the burned down city, smoldering city. David had a decision to make. He was, as is described, greatly distressed. Uh, What did he do? Well, I wish we had more detail, but all we have is the pages of scripture and the lines that are written. But David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. But if you go to verse 7, or the end of verse 6, sorry, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now remember this decision and turn of events. Um, sometimes and that that's another application for us. Sometimes it takes that kind of decision in our lives when we're faced with a a challenge, a difficulty, a trial, something where we could go either direction. You can get bitter or you can get better, right? Bitter or better. Sometimes you make that decision and things change. And that's what I believe David did here. It's a good example for us. Um, but what did he do? He asked for the ephod in the choir of the Lord. Here's some other background on this. He sought God with the help of Abiathar, the priest, and almost certainly using the Urim and the Thumen that were part of the priest's ephod. So an ephod is a special apron. It's a garment that the high priests would wear to cover their clothing so the sacrificial blood wouldn't get all over their clothing. It would get on this apron, this this ephod. Um, but it's also likely that it was the ephod of the high priest which had the breastplate of judgment attached to it. If you want to look at Exodus 28:15, 15, um, Exodus 28 and verse 28 through 30, the breastplate of judgment was attached to the ephod along with 12 precious stones, each one representing one of the tribes of Israel, each engraved with the tribe's name, And God directed the breastplate to be made up of gold, blue, purple, scarlet material. So Aaron and his successors wore over their heart the judgment of the sons of Israel. In this sense, judgment means giving a verdict or decision. So what 1 Samuel 30 says, David inquired of the Lord. Back in Exodus 28:29 it says Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastpiece of judgment, the Urim and the Thuman, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So the Urim and the Thuman were two separate objects representing the right of the high priest to request guidance for a leader who could not approach God directly. So the Old Testament priesthood now, just obviously it was perfectly fulfilled in Christ, our high priest. But in David's day, it was commanded by the Lord. So in seeking God through the ephod, the Urim and the Thummim, David was, what was he was really doing was going back to God's word and God's law, God's word for guidance, because it was the word of God that commanded that these things be used, and that's the way we do it. So for us now, looking back, we of course Jesus fulfilled all that, and we have things like things to look at, like Scripture, Psalm 38, or I'm sorry, 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So interesting. We don't always hear the the voice of God. We have His word that speaks to us. Sometimes circumstances speak. Sometimes God speaks through other people, believers. Um, But David asked God if he should pursue his enemies. God said yes. Not only that, he added, for you shall surely overtake them and rescue all. So David and 600 men made it back to the brook, and 200 were too exhausted to cross over. It didn't matter that there were 200 less. Why? Because David was on God's side. You might remember um, a great quote from Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. There's slight paraphrases of this quote uh, that he once said, my concern, when he was answering, responding to someone, um, he said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. (laughs) It's Abraham Lincoln. So, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, and there are times that we need to dig in and seek God, strengthen our own walks, our own faith in what we have, the word of God. Um, but speaking of this idea that David said, uh, oh, my soul, we'll get to another scripture in a minute, that it's just interesting um, that he speaks to his own heart. And he's not giving himself a pep talk. He's not, you know, it's not prosperity gospel or not like positive thinking or psychology. Hey, you know, pick yourself up. Come on, you can do it. No, this is not. This is grounded in something. It's grounded in truth and the power of God. But David said in Psalm 42:5. You may know the song. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Psalm 42:5 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you come disturbed? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. He's speaking to Himself. Why so downcast, O my? I'll tell you. In the last month or two, I've done a little bit of that. Um, take another one. Psalm 103, very familiar verses. Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. But how did that start off? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Praise God. And it wouldn't be in here with examples like this if we couldn't do it in in hard times. And sometimes we need to (laughs) give ourselves a shout to our own soul. Um, So a pattern, a pattern here. Again, David's not just trying to psych himself out and try to be fake like, Oh, everything's wonderful. Everything's fine. I'm not going through any hard times. No, he's just saying this is part of life. I'm going to speak to my soul. Um, he was broken, and he realized he needed to make a decision. And his, thank God we have this example, his decision. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Now, I know it says we can do all things through Christ through strength who strengthens us. And God is our strength. He is our refuge and strength and ever-present help. But there are times where, where we need to say, all right, I'm just going to encourage my own heart right now in the Lord. And that's enough at times when we have the Word of God. Uh, we can trust God with an unknown future and we can worship while we're waiting. A very familiar verse I have I wanted to add to this message. Isaiah 40, 31. We all know about this one. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with eagles, with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk, not become weary. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep pursuing God. No matter what. No matter what. Sometimes we feel a distance and we know that God never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't move. When we feel that distance, when we feel a distance from God, what are we doing? What are we meditating on? So, Remember past victories at certain times. We can also do that to encourage our hearts. Maybe that's what David did, in part, speaking to his own soul. Remember things that God did for him in the past, perhaps. Um, But in other times, we've just got to push. We've got to push through it. And the seasons can be long or short. Um, We have very little control over that, what God ordains or allows. But our vision has to be clear and our mind can be renewed in the word of God so we can hear from him, so we can be sensitive to his spirit and know what he wants us to do. I'll give you an example before we get to another scripture that I wanted to share. Um, Isaiah 43, 18. Uh, whenever I do a sermon around uh, New Year's, right after New Year's, I usually share this as one of the verses. Along with Paul, you know, writing about forgetting the past and pressing on to things that are ahead. Isaiah 43:18 says, and this is, includes good times, especially bad times. Let them go, they're the past. 43:18 in Isaiah. Do not call to mind the former things, or ponder things of the past; behold, I will do something new, now it will spring forth, will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So the question, what new thing might he be wanting us to do after we come out of this trial or this season of testing? Be ready. Be ready. There might be something that God is refining, purifying, sometimes pruning. <laughs> anyway, he takes us through those times but there's always a possibility that he's going to take us to something else. and here's something new. Be ready, if that's the case. Um, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm just going to read the, the first couple of verses because the opening of Paul's second letter uh, to the Corinthians it encourages us how how he comforts us and uses hard times. I referred to this scripture before we even started, and funny funny I forgot it was in my notes, but I referred to this uh, earlier. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he has a purpose in our pain. He has a purpose for it. Not necessarily that we stay in it, but that he uses that now we're more, more, more sensitive to someone else who is going through what we went through however long ago that was, and we can encourage and comfort them. As I was fin- finishing up this message, though, I was thinking about that word there, affliction, and how God's word encourages believers to respond in the valleys of life. Great scripture, again, don't want to get sidetracked, but uh, Psalm 84 it's talking about passing through the valley of Becca, and Becca—that word means a place of weeping and tears, you know, a heart-wrenching valley. But it says passing through, and that's a good lesson for us here with David and his. He could have uh, meditated on what he lost. Uh, the, Woe is me! They're—they're starting. They're thinking about stoning me. I lost everything. It stinks like smoke around here. My lungs are starting to, you know, know, have a hard time breathing. He could have started, you know, really going, what was me, but he didn't. Um, He responded differently. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So I want to go now to, that under that word affliction, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And I'm getting close to the end, just to give you a heads up. I tend to just throw a lot of scriptures out there, but I hopefully they're all paving the way for us and encouraging us. It says, verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction. Now, this is Paul and what he was going through. We know what he described in elsewhere, all the things, the trials that he went through. Our, of our affliction which occurred in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And then, interesting here, now he's got everything covered in in this last verse, verse 10, past, present, future. Watch this. God who raises the dead, who rescued us from so great a danger of death and will rescue us, he on whom we have set our hope. And he will yet deliver us. Another translation uses the word deliver in every one of those. He delivered us, he will deliver us, and he is delivering us. So God is our redeemer, our rescuer, a deliverer. Past, present, future. A few chapters later in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul shares from his heart about how he dealt with hardship. And writing to the new believers at Corinth, he says, "We are we are out here. We're working, we're doing God's work. And yet, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but I always read the buts in the Bible. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed." This is the confidence, the God confidence we can have in this world. What Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And since my spirit is living in you, believer in Christ, you too can overcome the world. Read um, 1 John 5, the first five verses on overcoming the world because of his spirit, not because of anything we do in our own strength. So Paul said also in Romans, the end of Romans 8, of course, nothing. No thing, no trials, famines, persecution, dangers, or even death will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news to be reminded of today? Nothing, even our own choices sometimes, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul instructed believers about these temporary earthly bodies at the end of 2 Corinthians 4 and this I want to wrap up with uh, this scripture here these scriptures in 2nd Corinthians 4 because he reminded them verse 14 knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you and he also mentions that we long to be clothed with our eternal dwelling after this tent is discarded, this frame, this body. And I want to wrap up by sharing um, these, these, what I'm going to read to you, these three verses were some of the very first scriptures that brought me just such hope in my very early days in my walk with the Lord. Um, and I think I was reading these at a time. Um, my sister at the time Uh, And brother-in-law died. They were killed in a motorcycle accident. She was 24. And what do you do with that, right? We understand people, you know, we, we live a full life. Maybe we retire and someday we'll die. But God, you know, God allows babies to go to heaven too. But my sister was 24. But these were some of the scriptures that really brought me hope. And I want to do that for you right now as well. Because even in the midst of trials... We can go to the Word and, as David did, encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Because He is real. He is alive. The only God that's alive. That's why Jesus, the name of Jesus is attacked more than any other name in the universe. Why? Because He is alive and He's the only true living God. And the others are all dead gods. You can find their bones and the bones of the, the leaders of the other religions. They're in a tomb somewhere. We still have an empty tomb to look to and go, wow. It's powerful. It is powerful. The name of Jesus above every name. So we're just passing through, right? We're just passing through. Don't take today, tomorrow for granted. Second um, Corinthians four sixteen through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction. Now, interesting momentary, you know, to God, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day to us. It seems it could seem like a trial or a hard time could seem like forever, but it's a it's a moment. It's a flash. It's a blip on, on the timeline of eternity. He says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. But the things which are seen are temporal, temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's what matters. We must not allow our hearts to be troubled as we persevere through some of these tests and the trying times and when our our country is going nuts and the culture around us. And uh, there, there's, there's this delusion going on out there that it's hard for us to understand because their minds are veiled from the truth. Right? They don't, they don't have the understanding. And it's like, wow. So reject God and anything goes. And that's what we're seeing today in our culture. We have to live in an ABC culture, don't we? Anything but Christ. You remove Christ and his truth. And that's a pretty big void that has to be filled by something. Something. So all these ideologies and isms and philosophies, they're filling the gap when you remove God and the truth of creation, of, of, uh, of uh, gender, of marriage, of family, of civil government, of an orderly society the way it's supposed to be. You know, you remove all, God, here we are. So, um, do you realize what we just did? We encouraged ourselves in the Lord just by going to Scripture, using a couple examples from David and what he went through. I can't relate to that. My home has never been burned down, and my family's never been taken captive. And I I know I got some opposition out there, but I haven't heard people talking about stoning me. (laughs) (laughs) And you probably haven't either. Um, And then Paul, to, to go through all that Paul went through. But if you read, especially Philippians, the verse you just shared, I just read that this morning, Philippians 4. I read that chapter, and those verses, I'm thinking... He was in jail when he wrote that. And Philippians is probably one of the most joyful books in the New Testament going, that's having an understanding and a relationship with the true God. Then you can write that and not be affected by the world and the circumstances and the pressures and the oppositions and the trials, right? Forgetting your affliction almost and just saying, but God. And that's what I think we need to do. Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, using me this morning to hopefully encourage hearts and speak your word, speak your truth, and remind people that uh, we have a God that is unshakable and stable and eternal that we can look to and turn to and trust in, no matter what happens in this life. And this life is but a vapor. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We pray that we would be able to seek you, keep our eyes on you, set our hearts and our minds together on things above give us the grace and the wisdom to do that lord and sometimes the discipline and in those moments when we need a pep talk lord help us to go to your word your eternal words in scripture and speak to our own souls that we might be able to bless others and encourage and comfort others when they need it we love you father thank you for this church Bless and continue to heal and restore pastor john anyone else here who is dealing with a physical ailment touch them Restore them, heal their bodies, Father, in the name of Jesus. Make your presence known to them. Anyone that is discouraged, anyone that is going through a hard time right now, remind them of your presence and your truth. We love you, Lord. We are here for such a time as this, and we thank you for the joy that we can have in the midst of trials. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.